someday I'm going to try to be high speed like our evangelist and use the PowerPoint, but I'm not there yet. So forgiveth my high speed noteth. My brother came down from uh, Toledo, and he's at my house right now uh, repairing some damage I've done to equipment and vehicles. Bless his heart. I wish he was here instead, but he's not. Uh, but he's got a shirt on today that I, I thought was interesting because when I first looked at it, I thought, oh, that's you know a neat saying. But then after I thought about it, it says, and I don't know who this author is, and I don't know in what context he said this quote. So I will you know, give that to the author. I don't know what type of person he is. But the shirt says, I never make the mistake of arguing with people for whose opinions I have no respect. Edward Gibbon, 1737 to 1794. And at first I thought, oh, that's cool. But you know what? After thinking about it, thank, thank goodness that Christians don't think like that. And I think part of the, I'm not trying to get political, but part of the problem we have today is people stand so firm on their opinions and what they think and their emotions and their heart uh, instead of looking at the facts. Um, just think of Paul. You know, what if, what if God would have thought that of Paul? You know, his, you know, his opinion is not a, he, he is different from what I want and he's against, he's doing uh, the things that aren't, that aren't right, I'm not even going to deal with him. Um, but that's not how we're taught, and we're taught to, as Christians, we need to go forth and spread the word of God to everybody. Um, and we'll talk a little bit about that in the sermon. Kyle mentioned this morning he was talking about tools, and it's tools that allows uh, somebody as ignorant as I am to stand here and preach a sermon because God's given us a book with everything we need in it. You don't have to be smart. You, you don't have to understand a, th a third of it, in my opinion. You should always strive to understand all of it. But all you got to do is look into the Word of God and you can, you can share it with others, no matter how much you know or how little you know. I was joking with Kyle about his vast education in the seminary, I guess, if I'm saying that right, <laughs> or theology, and... Uh, He's got a little less than I thought he does, but he's still doing a great job, and we appreciate him. But the tools that God has given us include his word. And when I, when I preach this sermon today, just understand it's not my opinion that I'm preaching. I'm preaching from the word of God. Um, I'm preaching from the New King James Version. It's my understanding and belief that this is the 100% uh, inspired word of God. And I believe everything in here. I'm not saying I understand it all, but I believe it all to be true. I may misunderstand it, but that doesn't mean that the word is wrong. So just please understand when I'm delivering a sermon, I'm delivering it based on that. If you don't believe that the Holy Bible is 100% the word of God, then uh, I have no argument with you because I'm not going to win. Because that's the basis of what I say is out of the word of God. Because I'm not smart enough to come up with this stuff on my own. But in the past... Um, I delivered a sermon titled um, 
I see you, I know you, I love you, trust in me. And what I want to talk about today is one of those things is I see you. And I want to talk about how God sees us. It starts in Genesis. And if you can turn with me to Genesis 1, I'm going to read the first chapter of Genesis because I think it's very important that this is the beginning, this is the foundation, this is the basics, this is where it all started. And God is very clear in these scriptures. So beginning in Genesis 1, again, I'm reading from the New King James Version. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Then God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw the light, that it was good, and God divided the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night, so the evening and the morning were the first day. Then God said, let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters, and let it divide the waters from the waters. Thus God made the firmament and divided the waters which were under the firmament from the waters which were above the firmament, and it was so. And God called the firmament heaven, so the evening and the morning were the second day. Then God said, let the waters under the heavens be gathered together into one place, and let the dry land appear, and it was so. And God called the dry land earth, and the gathering together of the waters he called seas, and God saw that it was good. Then God said, let the earth bring forth grass, the herb that yields seed, and the fruit tree that yields fruit according to its kind, whose seed is in itself on the earth, and it was so. And the earth brought forth grass and herb that yields seed according to its kind, and the tree that yields fruit, whose seed is in itself according to its kind. And God saw that it was good, so the evening and the morning were the third day. Then God said, Let there be lights in the firmament of the heavens to divide the day from the night, and let them be for signs and seasons and for days and years. And let them be for lights in the firmament of the heavens to give light on the earth. And it was so. Then God made two great lights, the greater one to rule the day and the lesser night to rule the lesser light to rule the night. He made the stars also. God set them in the firmament of the heavens to give light on the earth, and to rule over the day and over the night, and to divide the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good, so the evening and the morning were the fourth day. Then God said, Let the waters abound with an abundance of living creatures and let birds fly above the earth across the face of the firmament of the heavens. So God created the great sea creatures and every living thing that moves with which waters abounded accordingly, according to their kind and every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw that it was good and God blessed them saying, be fruitful and multiply and fill the waters in the seas and let birds multiply on the earth. So the evening and the morning were the fifth day. Then God said, let the earth bring forth the living creature according to, all it, according to its kind, cattle and creeping thing and beast of the earth, each according to its kind, and it was so. And God made the beast of the earth according to its kind, cattle according to its kind, and everything that creeps on the earth according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, over all the earth, and over the creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, See, I have given you every herb that yields seed which is in the face of the earth, and every tree whose fruit yields seed. 
To you it shall be for food. Also to every beast of the earth, to every bird of the air, and to everything that creeps on the earth in which there is life, I have given every green herb for fruit, and it was so. Then God saw everything that he, met, he had made, and indeed it was very good. So the evening and the morning were the sixth day. Over and over again, God tells us that he saw what he was doing. You know, I, I can imagine like painting a painting, if you were a painter, you look at everything that you're creating and you take it all in. So from the beginning, God tells us that he sees us. There's another example of God seeing us in Jonah. Jonah, as we see in 2 Kings, Verse 14 and 25 was used by God to deliver the good news that Israel would experience a time of safety and prosperity. God also used Jonah to deliver a warning to the pagans in Nineveh. In the book of Jonah, we see that Jonah didn't want to go to Nineveh. That would have been a pretty uh, scary place to go, I can imagine, if during that time. It was an evil city. In Jonah 1 and 2, now the word of the Lord came upon Jonah, the son of Amittai saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, the great city, and cry out against it, for their wickedness has come before me. In order for God to say that, God saw the wickedness of Nineveh. So again, he sees us and he sees what we're doing. Jonah didn't want to go and he tried to flee west to Tarshish, which I believe is somewhere around Spain from what I read. God saw God saw that as we can see in Jonah 1 and 2. And moving into chapter 3, we see that Jonah goes to Nineveh and delivers God's message. And the people of Nineveh respond to God's message. Then in Jonah 3.10, we read, Then God saw their works, that they turned from their evil way, and God relented from the disaster that he had said he would bring upon them, and he did not do it. God sees us. Not only from the beginning, but as we go on, through his scripture, we see that God sees us. Another Old Testament example can be seen in Genesis 4. In Genesis 4, verses 1 through 6, we read, Now Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain, and said, I have acquired a man from the Lord. Then she bore again, and this time his brother Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. In the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought an offering to the fruit of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat. And the Lord respected Abel and his offering, but he did not respect Cain and his offering. And Cain was very angry, and his countenance fell, if I'm saying that word right. So the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry, and why has your countenance fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin lies at the door, as it does... And its desire is for you, but you should rule over it. So God saw the expression on Cain's face. Continence is a, an expression of the face, so he saw that. Moving on in Numbers, Numbers 20, we see another example with Moses. <clears throat> Numbers 20, 1 through 12 reads, Then the children of Israel, the whole congregation, came to the wilderness of Zin in the first month, and the people stayed in Kadesh. And Miriam died there and was buried there. Now there was no water for the congregation, so they gathered together against Moses and Aaron. And the people contended with Moses and spoke, saying, If only we had died when our brethren died before the Lord. Why have you brought up the assembly 
of the Lord into this wilderness that we and our animals should die here. And why have you made us come up out of Egypt to bring us out of this evil, bring us to this evil place? It is not a place of grain or figs or vines or pomegranates, nor is there any water to drink. So Moses and Aaron went from the presence of the assembly to the door of the tabernacle of meeting, and they fell on their faces. Again, I think we talked about prayer this morning a little bit. And the glory of the Lord appeared to them. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Take the rod, you and your brother Aaron, gather the congregation together. Speak to the rock before their eyes, and it will yield its water. Thus you shall bring water for them out of the rock, and give drink to the congregation and their animals. So Moses took the rod before the Lord as he commanded him. I, I don't imagine that Moses thought that God wasn't looking at him or didn't see him, but just keep that in mind that God sees us as we read these last couple of verses. And Moses and Aaron gathered the assembly together before the rock, and he said to them, Here now, you rebels, must we bring water for you out of this rock? Then Moses lifted his hand and struck the rock twice with his rod. And water came out abundantly, and the congregation and their animals drank. Then the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron, Because you did not believe me, to hollow me in the eyes of the children of Israel, therefore you shall not bring this assembly into the land which I have given to them. God saw that Moses disobeyed him. He's seen him do it. God sees everything. Those are some Old Testament examples and I'd like to look at a couple of New Testament examples of how God sees us too. Look with me in Mark 10. Mark 10, verses 13 to 16. While Jesus was there teaching in Judea, it says, Then they brought the little children to him that he might touch them, but the disciples rebuked those who brought them. But when Jesus saw it, he was greatly displeased and said to them, Let the children come to me, and do not forbid them. For if such is the kingdom of God, assuredly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as a little child will by no means enter it. And he took them up in his arms, laid his hands on them, and blessed them. Jesus seen those children. He seen things while he was walking on earth. God saw his son in Matthew 3. If you want to turn to Matthew 3, verse 13. Matthew 3, and verses 13 through 17, uh, when Jesus was baptized by John. Starting in verse 13, Matthew 3, verse 13. Then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. And John tried to prevent him, saying, I need to be baptized by you. And are you coming to me? But Jesus answered and said to him, Permit it to be so now. For thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he allowed him. When he, had been, when he had been baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting upon him. And suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. God recognized Christ, and he seen Jesus, and he recognized him as his son, and he was well pleased. And lastly, there's a couple more points. Not only does God physically see us, but he also, and I don't know what word I'm looking for uh, or what the right word to use is, um, but the way that he perceives 
before being saved, he sees us as worthy of salvation. If he didn't, he wouldn't have sent his son to die for us. So, so before we're even in his fold, before we've even made that commitment to follow God, he sees us as being worthy of salvation. Which makes me wonder, I, I used to say, well, I'm not worthy of, uh, of the sacrifice that was made for me. And while that may be partially true, we have to recognize that we are worthy of it because God said we're worthy of it. So don't sell yourself short. You are worthy of salvation in that manner. But if you look with me in Luke 5, verse 27, Luke 5, verse 27, reads, After these things, he went out and saw a tax collector named Levi sitting in a tax office, and he said to him, Follow me. So he left all, rose up, and followed him. Then Levi gave him a great feast in his own house. And there were a great number of tax collectors and others who sat down with them and their scribes and the Pharisees complained against his disciples saying, why do you eat and drink with the tax collectors and sinners? Jesus answered and said to them, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick, I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. So before we're even saved, God sees us as being worthy of salvation. After we're saved, we see in John 3.16, probably one of the most popular verses that exists, for God's full of the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. So if you believe in God and you are saved, then he's found you worthy of of eternal happiness. So no matter what condition you're in or anybody in the world's in, God sees us and he sees us as being worthy of his love and his sacrifice. So what do you have to do? Well, as we see in Romans 10, Romans 10 verses 14 through 17 how then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they are sent as it is written? How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring tidings of good things. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our report? So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You have to hear the word of God in order to be saved. If, if you don't hear it, then you don't, it's like a baby who can't hear or understand. They, they don't have that requirement because they've never heard the word of God. There's other reasons they don't have that requirement, but you have to hear the word of God in order to be saved. You have to believe the word of God as we see in Hebrews 11. Hebrews 11 and verse 6. Reads, but without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And then also we read in Mark 16, 15 and 16. And he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. 
We have to repent as we see in Acts 2.38. Acts 2.38 tells us, Then Peter said to them, Repent, and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promises to you and to the children and to all that are far off, as many as our Lord will call. And then in Matthew, we see that you have to confess. In Matthew 10, in verses 32 and 33, Therefore, whoever confesses me before men, him I will also confess before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, him I will also deny before my Father who is in heaven. We're also told in Acts 2.38, as we just read, that we have to be baptized. Again, then Peter said to them, Repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. And then probably one of the neatest things, I, I mean, it's all neat to me, but I found interesting. Uh, if you'll turn with me to Acts 9. Acts 9, verses 1 through 22. And bear with me as I read this. Again, as I talked about in the beginning, this story of Paul, then the, almost everything is uh, put together here in these verses of what Paul did. Then Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked letters from him in the synagogues of Damascus. So that if he found any who were of the way, whether men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. As they journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly a light shone around him from heaven. Then he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, Who are you, Lord? Then the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. It is hard for you to kick against the goads. So he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what do you want me to do? Then the Lord said to him, Arise and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. And the men who journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing a voice, but seeing no one. Then Saul arose from the ground, and when his eyes were opened, he saw no one. But they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. And he was there three days. He was three days without sight, and neither ate nor drank. Now there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias. Ananias. And to him the Lord said in a vision, Ananias. And he said, Here I am, Lord. And the Lord said to him, Arise and go to the street called Straight and inquire at the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus. For behold, he is praying. And in a vision he has seen a man named Ananias coming in, the, coming in and putting his hand on him so that he might, perceive his, he might receive his sight. Then Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man, how much harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priest to bind all who call your name. But the Lord said, Go, for he is a chosen vessel of mine to bear the name before Gentiles, kings, and children of Israel. For I will show him how many things he must offer, he must suffer for my name's sake. And Ananias went his way and entered the house, and laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you came, has sent me that you may receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately there fell from his eyes something like scales, and he received his sight at once, and he arose and was baptized. So when he had received food, he was strengthened. Then Saul spent some days with the disciples at Damascus. Immediately, and this is the other thing that I, I was getting to, the point I was getting to here is we have to remain faithful. 
Immediately he preached the Christ in the synagogues that he was the son of God. Then all who heard were amazed and said, Is, not, is this not he who destroyed those who called on his name in Jerusalem and has come here for that purpose, so that he might bring them bound to the chief priest? But Saul increased all the more in strength and confounded the Jews who dwelt in Damascus, proving that Jesus is the Christ. So he continued in the Lord even after he was saved, and he remained faithful when he continued to preach God's word. So we can see from the scriptures what we have to do to be saved. We have to hear the word of God, believe the word of God. We have to repent of our sins. We have to confess Christ. We have to be baptized, and we have to continue to remain faithful in Christ. So if you're subject to the calling, then won't you please come forward as we stand and as we sing.